Hey there, and welcome back to the Real Life Podcast. Let's jump into week three of our Experiencing God series. This message is titled, Stop Doing Your Own Thing. This is a conversation that we've been having over the last three weeks of of us understanding and learning what it's like to experience God. If you've been around church before, maybe you don't know God yet, but you are here with a heart that's hungry and seeking to know and experience him in a real and a personal way. That is what we are talking about is how to move from just kind of a notion about God or a knowledge of God, or yeah, I believe in God, to actually experiencing him in a powerful, life-changing way where every day you are led, you are in step, you're walking because God is leading you. You are, are walking through doors he's opening. You are taking steps that he's asking you to take where you are encountering his miraculous work in your life that you don't have just kind of a dead, lifeless religion, but you have a a heart that is full of experience with God's power and his love and his provision in your life. That's what we've been talking about the last few weeks. And that's what I want to continue today is to help us learn how to experience God. We started a couple of weeks ago with this understanding that God is always at work all around you. God is moving. He has always been working and always will be working. But God, we need you to open our eyes and our hearts to see where you are at work. Our lives are busy. Our hearts are cluttered. We are consumed with a lot of stuff and a lot of agendas. God, would you just humble us and help us to see where you are at work? Last week, we we understood and saw this picture that God is so passionate in pursuit of you that you would know him and experience his love, that God's love for you is, is what drives him to include you in his story. God is not disappointed in you. He is, is so wildly passionate about you experiencing him that he has drawn you, pursuing you, even getting you here today. And so today I want to talk about this. How do you, how do you know, like God is inviting me to be a part of something? Uh, how do I respond? How do I recognize? What does that actually look like? How do I move from where I am to where God is? This is a conversation about being coming God-centered. I think about how awesome this is on Mother's Day. You moms, grandmas, soon-to-be moms um, in the room, you have just this amazing knack for living a life of service and sacrifice and a life beyond yourself. And this really is the picture, I believe, of a heart and a life that can experience God and know what it's like to be involved in God's work. It's a humble heart. It's a heart of, of servanthood. And I just am so blown away by so many of you ladies. And I believe that God gave us today, not only to honor you moms, but to really call all of us to a place where we would learn to join God in his work. I'm going to start with just some some basic, uh, what, what I call theology. Theology is this big word for knowing like what you believe, what you understand about God. We all come in here with a lot of different perspectives of God, experiences with God or with church. And I just want to kind of level the playing field today so that we can understand how to experience God in our lives. For you and I to, to move from where we are to where God is, is what this conversation is about. Uh, Henry Blackaby wrote this, God doesn't ask you to dream your dreams for him. He doesn't ask you to do your best, to try your hardest for him. He doesn't invite you to set magnificent goals and then pray he will help you achieve them. God's desire is to get you from where you are to where he's working. 
He leads you from being self-centered to being God-centered. When God reveals to where to, to you where he's working, that becomes his invitation to join him in his work, in his activity. I remember as a young boy growing up in church and around church, and there was always this conversation about surrender, surrendering your life to Jesus, giving him every bit of your day, just giving him your all. And I always remember praying these prayers. I, I would write them down often. I was always terrified to pray whatever you want with this life, God. Because I was afraid God was going to send me somewhere I didn't want to go. I was going to have to do stuff I didn't want to do. And, and so I would like, I would, I would kind of hesitantly pray, God, you can, you can have my life and, 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 you know, use me as the way I want to be used. Like there was these really hesitant prayers for me for a lot of years because I was terrified that if God was going to include me in his work, it was going to be something horrible. It was going to be hard. I don't know if anybody like identifies with this. This was going to be just like terrifying. So, so I'll kind of pray that, but not really pray like surrender. My life is yours, God. This is a conversation that I think is really important for us to have. First, start with this understanding. Throughout scripture, we see that God chooses how he wants to use your life. God is the one that decides who you are, how you're made, the way you're gifted, and, and how you are going to be involved in what he is doing. God has a work and a purpose and a plan that he is doing, and he is shaping you, and he is deciding how you are going to be involved in that work. Jeremiah 18 paints a really cool picture of this. He says, God says, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does? He's speaking of a potter who has clay and shapes the pot, right? Shapes the clay into what he decides. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so you are in my hand, Israel. God is the potter. We are the clay. God makes the decisions about how we are shaped, the strengths, the weaknesses, the purpose for these lives, the gifts that you have. Like a potter makes a decision about the kind of vessel he is going to shape out of this lump of clay, God decides the way that he wants to shape your life, the way that he has built you and made you and gifted you and calling you. God is the potter. We are the clay. I don't know if I really like being associated with clay. Anybody else? It's kind of like slimy lump, right? That, that needs a lot of help. But, but by God's grace, he has a vision for you being involved in his life and in his work and in his activity. But he's got to get you from that slimy lump into a shape that's usable. Think of how a, a potter shapes a lump of clay. There's pressure, there's different times and spinning and all that going on. And I think about how easy it is to avoid pressure in our lives, to avoid conflict or, or, or difficulties in our life. But these are the very things that God tends to use. God doesn't tempt anyone, but he definitely brings trial and allows trial in our life to shape us. There is a character about who you are and who you need to become. And God wants to shape your character to match the work that he has intended for your life. And so pressure, different shape, different strengths, things are being formed and forged in your life by God for God's purpose. He has a dream and a purpose, and he wants to get you ready for what he is going to do. 
This is a basic premise of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. As a church, we are committed to raise up disciples and teach you how to make more disciples of Jesus. And this is really what it means to be changed by God, is to be shaped for his purposes. The second thing that's really important to understand about God is God is going to do what God is going to do. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He has a will. He has something that he has in mind. In fact, it began several thousand years ago at the beginning of time. He had created Adam and Eve to be in relationship. All mankind was intended to be an intimate, connected relationship with God. But the moment that Adam and Eve disobeyed God's leading in their life, that relationship was broken. It was severed. And at that moment of brokenness, all of mankind and everyone who had come after Adam and Eve were infected with this same disease called sin like a cancer inside of us, rebelling from God's leading and God's purposes for our lives, we resist the potter. We want to do our own thing. We want to make our own shape. We want to go our own way. But here's what's so amazing about God. At that moment of rebellion, God set into motion a rescue mission, a plan to save and redeem all of mankind. What the enemy deceived and broke, God was going to redeem and restore. And so he began to set up for himself a people, Israel, this, this Jewish nation. And from them, he brought his salvation, his savior, Jesus, the perfect one who died in our place, rose from the dead. And now this good news about Jesus Christ over the last 2000 years has been preached by his church all over the world, declaring that you you can be who God made you to be. If you would be free from your sin, you could become who God made you to be once again. And for, for us, this purpose of God will endure. The kingdom will advance. God's plan will happen whether or not you're a part of it. And it's really important just to kind of let that settle in your heart. This is a humbling thing. Oh, I'm a lump of clay. Thank you, God. Oh, you're going to do what you're going to do whether or not I'm a part of it. God has a purpose and a will and a mission that he is on. And you and I, if we're not careful, can get caught up in our own mission, our own purposes, our own desires, and actually miss out on the purpose of God and not experience all of God's leading and his miraculous power in our lives. For many of us, this has been the disconnect between us and God. It's not that God stopped moving. It's just that we stopped paying attention to where God is working. And we have been so self-insulated, so self-consumed. Survival mode does that to all of us. And many of us are still shaking off the surviving of the last couple of years. And this is a moment for us to go, yeah, I've only been praying about my life. And I've only been praying about what I want and how I want things to go and the way I see things. And I haven't been paying attention to where God is working and what he is doing. In Isaiah 59, the prophet, God says through him, truth is nowhere to be found. He's speaking of the state of the world at this point in history. And whoever shuns evil actually becomes prey. People that walk away from evil are targeted, he says. I don't know if this sounds anything like culture today. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. There was no justice in the land at all. And he saw that there was no one. And he was appalled that there was no one to intervene. God didn't quit working. God didn't give up on his plan. So his own arm, God's own arm achieved salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. God was looking for someone to bring justice, someone to bring love, someone to continue this mission, but he found 
No one, because the people were so self-consumed. Ezekiel 22, this prophet, God says something very similar. Listen to this. I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land, on behalf of this city, on behalf of the family. I looked for someone who would stand in the gap on their behalf so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. And see, this this reality is that God is going to accomplish his purpose. He is hoping, he loves you, that you would actually be a part of his purpose, of his will, of his plan, that you would move from self-centered to God-centered and and you would have eyes to see where he is working and what he is doing and that you would move from your agenda to God's agenda and his purpose. And this this is just a humbling moment for us to go, yeah, I think I've been a lot about my thing. And a lot of the disconnect for for us between us and God is because we have been so wrapped up in our thing. Challenges, a lot of times they're good things. You're being a good parent. You're trying to be a great spouse. You're trying to be a great employee or a good boss. They're not like evil things that you're wrapped up in. They're noble things. I think that's the challenge of our culture today. Even even the world that we live in is this kind of self-reliant, independent, go make a name for yourself and live your life and do your thing and accomplish your dreams and your purposes. And all of this very well may be the thing hijacking you from experiencing God. I know the room's kind of quiet after this, but I think I think I need to hear this. This is so good for us. And so then when you think about this, God is going to do what God is going to do no matter what. Got to understand this third piece as well. This is just this kind of the theology to get grounded our hearts in is that God's ways are way different than our ways. The way he works, the way he thinks, it's way different than us. And I think the challenge for us is we only think the way we think. And we think God is going to work the way we think God is going to work. And the expectations we have are what we're looking for God to meet. And it just takes us another step back, another bit of humility, another piece of humble pie to just go, wait a second, God, you have a way, not only a a what you are doing, but a way that you are doing it that may not make perfect sense in my world and my understanding with my expectations, how I think you should go. Again, the prophet Isaiah chapter 55 says, my thoughts, this is God speaking, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. See, see we talked about it week one of this conversation, but God, you got to open our spiritual eyes. You got to give us spiritual discernment to understand where you're at working, the way that you are working, what you're up to so that we can be a part of what you are doing. See, God is inviting you to be a part of this miraculous work, to experience him, to be a part of this this mission that he is on. And he's just wondering, are there some people that are going to stand in the gap on behalf of their family, on behalf of their marriage, on behalf of their kids, on behalf of the city, in your workplace? Is there someone who's going to stand in the gap and be somebody that God can accomplish his purposes through? I would hate for us to be a people that God goes around to accomplish his purpose. God, would you make us a people that you can work through? 
for your kingdom and your purpose and your glory, God. So, so the question I know that comes up in my heart as we're talking through this is, all right, Richie, I want to recognize, I want to see, I want to hear, I want to understand God's invitation so I can join him. That's the question I want to answer today is how do I recognize his invitation so I can join God in his work? There are things that only God does. There are things like revealing spiritual truth, bringing conviction. When people are like, I'm feeling really bad about this addiction I got. Or I don't think I should be sleeping with that person anymore. Or they're going, they're going, ah, I'm struggling with this thing that I've been doing. And I don't, I know, I know it's not right. That is the work of God in somebody's life. It is only by the spirit of God that conviction can come. When somebody's going, hey, I need help understanding how to follow Jesus. That is the work of God. Now, 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 how do we recognize it and begin to jump in and join God in his work? Because it is when we join him, when we respond to his invitation, that we actually experience God in a real and a powerful way. So if you got notes on your seat today, uh, write this down. The first thing is, is this. Number one is purify your heart. If you're going to respond to God's invitation, you got to purify your heart. you got to understand that this is not about God getting on board with your agenda. This is about you getting on board with what God is doing. This is not about getting God to come over and join you in your thing. This is about you and I understanding that God has a thing and he wants us to be involved in it. There's a purity in our hearts that says, okay, God, I don't want to be driven by self, by what I need, by what I want. I, I, I'm not going to expect you to come where I am. I am going to go where you are. There's a, there's a man named George Mueller from a couple hundred years ago. He lived in England. God began to put a, a clear conviction in his heart about the needs of kids in his city. And as he began to pray about the needs of these orphans and these strange kids and these kids on the street in his city a couple hundred years ago, it was a tough time in, in the history of England at this point in history. And and as George was praying, he, he just sensed God beginning to speak to him about how God wanted to meet the needs of these kids. God put the need on his heart, and then God began to speak to him about the way that he was going to meet these kids' needs. One of the most fascinating things about George Mueller's story is that every time God led him, God would provide for him. Buildings, I think seven or eight huge orphanages with hundreds of kids eventually built all over England. Every little detail of every one of those orphanages, like the silverware that the kids are going to eat with, was provided by God in a miraculous way. Journals and journals of George Mueller's are filled with, with a simple ask, God, we need silverware for these kids. And then the detailed way that God provided the silverware. And the, the, the orientation that, that George Mueller had to go, every little thing that God speaks, I'm going to pay attention to. I'm going to depend on God for. It was one story that he's kind of famous for, where they had hundreds of kids in all these orphanages. So over the years, they got to minister to thousands of kids. But one particular day at this one orphanage, they ran out of food completely out. All the kids had just sat down for breakfast and the, the kitchen team ran to George in his office and said, we've got nothing for the kids to eat today. And so in his just simple moment of prayer, George just begins to pray, God, would you brought, led us to this. You've called us to this. 
would you provide today for this bread? Literally minutes later, a bread cart on its way into town to sell bread, wheel breaks, falls off right in front of the cafeteria. I'm not kidding. It it just literally falls off. Baker knocks on the door. Hey, we're not going to be able to fix this wheel probably till tomorrow. It'll take us all day and all this bread is going to spoil. Do you know anybody that needs some bread? I mean, these kind of miraculous experiences with God detail all of George's life and the way that God ministered to these kids through him. When he was asked about this, people ask, how how do you do this? How is it that this, this kind of experience with God is possible in your life? George Mueller said, well, the very first step in this whole endeavor is to make sure I rid myself of any will of my own. Starts with a pure heart. He says, before I ever pray, I have to cleanse my heart and my mind that I don't have a predetermined expectation outcome, a will of my own that I am imposing on God. And I think about just how pure this heart is, God. You want to do something in my family, in my workplace, in my school, in this city, God. You want to do something and you are working. Lord, I just want to be a part of what you are doing. Would you show me where you are at work? God, I don't have this big dream and agenda that I'm driving at, that I'm trying to get done. God, would you just lead this life? I will pray what you want me to pray. I will go where you want me to go, God. I will I will do whatever you ask me to do. Just ridding ourselves of our agenda is step number one. Purify your heart. And it's at this place that, that now we are prepared to look, to see, to hear, to discern the work of God around us. And to understand that, that number two is this, that God is going to bring revelation. And revelation is an actual experience with God. If you're taking notes, get that. Revelation is an experience. God is going to take you from just like a knowledge about him to an actual revelation of him. Where where you're not just kind of knowing more information about God, but you're going to experience his love. You're going to experience a revelation of his power, maybe a sense of conviction or a drawing. I was thinking of of Luke chapter 5. Peter is out cleaning nets, just finished a long night of fishing. and, And Jesus is teaching crowds on the lake. And as the crowds press in on him, Jesus asks Peter if he can get into his boat. See, Peter and Jesus, they're not, they're not like in this close relationship at this point in history. Jesus gets in his boat and, and continues to teach the crowd. All day, Jesus is there teaching the crowd. Peter's mending his nets. Him and his brother are there fixing things up. They're hearing all this teaching from Jesus. But it's not until Jesus turns to them and he says, hey, let's go out into deep water that they actually begin to have a revelation of who Jesus is. They're like, Lord, we fished all night and this is not the right time of day. The deep water is not where the fish are. We don't want to go fishing, but since you said, we will. They let out their nets out in the deep water. This miraculous catch begins to sink their boat. They call over their friends. It sinks their boat. Peter is on his face before Jesus. Lord, I am unworthy. 
I can't even be around you, near you. Get away from me, Lord. Peter went from all this teaching and information about Jesus to a revelation of the power and the provision of God in his life. See, his ways are way higher than our ways. His thoughts are way higher than our thoughts. And for us to put God in a box that says, God, if you're going to work in my life, you got to work the way I want you to work, when I want you to work, how I want you to work. Man, 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 we are limiting God. Jesus just blows right through those expectations. Lord, we've been fishing all night. I'm tired. There's no fish out here. Jesus blows right through those expectations and he's revealing who he is. See, the moment that you encounter God, this is an actual experience with the living, loving God. The one who has been trying to get your attention, he is revealing himself to you and he's making himself known, his provision. Man, I call you to tithe all the time around here. It's an act of faith to say, God, I trust you with my finances. It's you saying, God, you are my provider, my job, this economy, none of that is my provider. And when God shows up faithfully in your life, that is a revelation of the provision of God in your life. He is shaping you, building your confidence in him as the potter with the clay to get you ready for the purpose he has for your life. These challenges, these moments where we're overwhelmed and and we find ourselves just on our face before God are so good for us. That revelation is an experience with God. And that is an opportunity for you to know God more intimately, to experience his power, to know his love, to know his grace, that these are revelations that God is intending to show you who he is, how good he is, how powerful he is. It is so many stories throughout scripture where God was working through normal, ordinary people that really had no skill, no special gifts. He's just working through normal people like us, and he's revealing just how good he is. That's my hope for us, is that that revelation would become an experience for us. And thirdly, we would understand that his revelation is an invitation for us to join him. That's the third thing I want you to get, that that revelation of who God is, what he's up to, how good he is, how powerful he is, what he's doing around you, that revelation is the invitation. You know, you don't need to look any further like, God, where are you working around me? Right there in that revelation. He is at work in that person's life. They're asking you a spiritual question. They're wondering about their marriage. They're they're inviting themselves to church with you today. There's a sense that God is doing something right here in this moment, in this relationship. That revelation is the invitation for you to leave your agenda and go to God's agenda, to leave your priorities and go to God's priorities, to leave your dreams and your purposes and what you think needs to happen and how you think it needs to go and join God at work in what he is doing. So many people throughout scripture missed the invitation because they had other things going. Good things. Rich, rich men unwilling to give up riches. People burying family and friends, unwilling to to walk away from those moments. People that are struggling with with life just happening, unwilling to leave their priorities and their agendas. All these noble things that Jesus is going, hey, I want to call you to what I'm doing and I want you to experience me in your life. That revelation is an invitation from God. Remember, he said he's looking for someone who's going to stand in the gap who's going to go on his behalf, who's going to be the one that he brings his justice through, his love through, his grace through. 
And as a church, this is where the commitment really comes is to go, wow, God, you, you are inviting us to be a part of what you're doing. Sometimes God is like Mueller showing you a need. You saw the need of kids in his city. A lot of times when we see a need, we're like, somebody should do something about that. Those people are messed up. And that, that need, that revelation of that need is actually the invitation from God. Not to get critical, but to actually be part of the solution. You see, you see a shortcoming in the church. That, that's an invitation from God for you to be a part of the solution. You see a shortcoming in, in your marriage or in your kids' lives. These are all invitations. This is a revelation from God. I say this to our staff team all the time. Like, you're there on purpose. God showed you that so you could do something about it. That's his invitation. He wants you to be involved in that work, that miraculous work of transformation in their life. To be that word of encouragement. To be that one that prays. You don't need a pastor to pray with that person. He put you and they're asking for prayer right there. That's your time. That's the invitation. See, this is where you experience God. This is my hope for us, is that we would be a people that actually experience the power of God in our lives, the work of God, these miraculous revelations of who God is and what he's capable of. So many of us are so afraid because we see all of our insecurities and all of our shortcomings and all of our lacking. And a person of faith doesn't go in their strength. They go in their dependence on God. And they respond to that invitation and God shows up in a miraculous way. You don't know scripture, but God fills your mouth with scripture. You don't know how to pray, but God gives you the words for the prayer. You've never talked to somebody about Jesus, but, but in that moment, your kids, you have no answers for what your kids are struggling through, but, 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 but God gives you just heart to love and serve them in that moment. God shows up when we respond to his invitation. He shows you just how good, how powerful, how loving he is. And I love you a ton of your life. And I believe that God wants you to experience him. My call to us today would be a people, that we would become a people that respond to his invitation. That don't ignore it. Don't pray those hesitant prayers. But people that are really courageously responding as we are seeing God work in our lives. I want to pray for you today. Would you stand to your feet with me? In fact, I want to invite my wife, Kate, up here today. She is here somewhere, I promise. She is coming, I think. She's going to come up here. And maybe she's like, babe, I'm out. And uh, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> but uh, I want to pray for you. And as she's coming, as she's coming, uh, I want to have her just pray over all of you moms as well. Lord Jesus, you see every heart here today. You know, every person, God, that you've called to hear this message today, I pray, Jesus, that you would just give us the courage to respond to your invitation, to your work, God, in our lives. Just trust you, Jesus. You're leading. You're prompting. We're so thankful for you. I love you, Jesus. Can you give it up for my wife here today? Did you take over my job? No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> this is your time. I was helping a new person, <laughs> oh, so sorry you. about that. Happy Mother's Day. I'm just so honored to be alongside all of you moms and grandmas and aunts and sisters as we just disciple the next generation for Jesus. And I just wanted to encourage you today, just if you're feeling weary or 
uh, just disappointed, uh, tired, <laughs> however you're feeling today, that you're seen and you are loved and you are known. Maybe you're mad at God about your mom or that you're not a mom yet. I just want you to know we see you. God sees you. You are so loved and you're doing an amazing job. And we have an amazing God. So when we feel like we're doing bad, that's because we need him and he can fill us up and he's the living water. So happy Mother's Day. We have cookies for you guys out there and a photo booth. Have an awesome day. Sorry, I was late. No, it's so good. Welcome to real life. Yeah, we love you. <laughs> have an awesome day, real life. Thanks again for tuning in to the Real Life Spokane podcast. We want to encourage you and help point you closer to Jesus. So be sure to visit our website or to reach out on that phone number. We love you, real life. See you next time. Thank you.